Hello and welcome to the August, well let's call it the back to school edition of mm. Signal. Uh, I hope you're doing very well. I'm James Poulter, your host, and joined in the studio with me, returning from many different travels, are Ruth Jackson. Hello. And Mr. Sam Hales. Hello. Thank you very much for returning. <laughs> and uh, glad to have you both back safe and well, which, uh, according to Sam's recent report to me on his travel escapades, uh, was almost, uh, you know, ended in tragic uh, situations. <laughs> Sam just returned from uh, an extended trip, not just to Scotland, that was seemed perfectly safe, but also to uh, the US and Canada. How was yes. that? It was incredible. But as you say, I was almost eaten by a bear. Um, not to not to over exaggerate or anything, but there were bears by the side of the road on our Canadian road trip, and it was amazing because I pulled over and ran towards the bear with my camera before I thought about what I was doing. That's the recommended approach. Isn't it's it? not the recommended approach. Such a journalist. It's actually a re- it's actually really bad. It's bad for the wildlife because they get desensitised to humans being around them, and obviously. You know, it was, I think it was a cub as well. So if the mother had been near, then it would have been even more serious trouble. But hey, what an experience to see a bear in a wild. A bear in the wild, I don't regret it. So you were I'm just honest. kind of going full Attenborough, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with none of, with none of the qualifications. Walking along the side of this road. <laughs> it's not you. a bad impression. Thanks. Uh, and uh, Ruth, you've been uh, travelling not only the food festivals of the UK, <laughs> but also the Christian festivals of the UK, and you seem to have survived. I have. You look very holy and also kind of full. How, how's that? <laughs> yeah, really good, really good. I think I, I spent a week camping with a bunch of teenagers. It took, I felt like it took about a week to get rid of all the dirt from because it was They had invited properly, you to camp with them. Yes, okay, and it good. was properly waterlogged and just... I mean, the weather was terrible, but... Which festival was this That at? was Focus. Focus. Yeah. Yeah, good, down in the New Forest yeah. with Nikki and the team. And yeah. you also headed out to any of the others as well? Uh, I was going to go to Soul Survivor, but actually I am playing a vintage festival over the same weekend so unfortunately that's not going to work out um but yeah i was at a chili festival yesterday which was exceptionally fun and, and again, i brought back... clarified to me this is chili not as in like a big bowl of chili <laughs> but like chili is in the, the kind of veg i'm gonna say vegetable is yeah it a fruit? fruit uh fruit. it comes from seeds so uh, it has seeds inside so i'm gonna okay if listeners can write in and yeah. let us know, but i'm gonna say that chili Fruit or vegetable? Question. Mm. Uh, hashtag signal on Twitter and uh, at the media net. Let us know. Um, but you went to kind of see I, lots. Yes, of, lots the, of I, I would imagine that you probably could get chili the food as well. But it was it was chili the plant, whatever plant. we're going to call that plant. Is it maybe a plant? No, it's not a plant. Um, but it was. We literally have no idea, do we? <laughs> it was. It was such a fun festival. There just was so much spicy food everywhere. It was amazing. I mean, I was playing. I wasn't just going to eat, but I pretty much just spent the whole time eating. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, just a couple of casual plugs there for the band. And, um, <laughs> I don't and, think anyone noticed. We got away with it. And the Chili Festival. And the Chili Festival. Okay, good. And I'm glad to see that you also survived uh, a week with uh, Christians in a field, mm-hmm. which sometimes you know, doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, Where have you been, James? I've uh, just come back from uh, a lot of Christians in a very different part of the world. I just got back from Sao Paulo, Brazil, yesterday uh, after spending a couple of days with the Global Adventists Internet Network, which is the Adventist mm-hmm. Church kind of communications conference, which is super interesting. Obviously, the Adventist Church, you know, kind of not necessarily part of the kind of mainstream church in the UK, but actually quite big uh, there in South America. Uh, it was interesting after an 11 hour flight to then experience an entirely vegetarian and <laughs> non caffeinated conference for three days, uh, in which I spoke for about half an hour to about 800 people being yeah. live translated into four languages, which oh, was wow. a really interesting experience. Uh, the jokes landing at various <laughs> different times uh, kind of was something I wasn't used to. I'm used to them just not landing. Um, and that was. So 
that was fun. Um, but I've got to say, fairly jet-lagged and uh, quite glad to be home. Shame not to have seen more of Brazil, if mm. I'm honest. I was on ground for about 72 hours mm. and basically <laughs> spent about eight hours on coaches uh, and uh, visiting various different things. It was, it was quite fascinating to go to. We went to Nova Tempo, which is... Um, Probably the largest Christian broadcaster uh, in Brazil uh, and most of Latin America. It's funded by the Adventist Church, but they kind of produce Christian programming across the the gamut, really. Um, and they've got six full size television studios. They do live in studio productions, everything from cooking shows mm. uh, through to you know devotional things, mission from around the world, all sorts of stuff. Um, so that was really fascinating to see their operation. And also went to the publishing house where they produce a million Bibles a year, wow. um, which they kind of distribute all over the world. So um, yeah, fascinating. But uh, glad to be back on uh, soil uh, in the UK with a Starbucks um, in hand, not in the studio if Dave is listening. Um, (laughs) Just quickly, define to me what a Christian cooking show is. So one of the things that the Adventist Church has with other kind of factions of uh, conservative churches that they really focus on kind of the health message and looking uh, at kind okay. of the healthiness you know, around looking after the body as part of looking after the spirit and looking after kind of the blessing that God gives us in, in a body. And so one of the things that they produce is a lot of uh, materials on kind of healthy living. They also look, do a lot of things around kind of Christian mindfulness. Mm. Um, so the, the cooking and health shows kind of look at healthy recipes and they also talk about kind of healthy lifestyle as it might you know, kind of pertain to um, faithful living suppose it's an interesting format so that was uh, what i've been up to and uh, we've got a lot more on the show for you to talk about today so what have we got coming up later on we're going to be doing our recommendations going to look at a couple of new podcasts that are coming out as well as a interesting documentary for you so all of that coming up at the end of the show this week we also asked on twitter uh, what your recommendations are for daily practices and habits that you can get into if you're heading back to as many of us are going back to work after long summer breaks or holidays or if you're going back to school if you're studying uh, so we're going to go through a couple of our daily habits also run you through a few of the recommendations uh, made from friends across the uh, twitter sphere and we also have an interview with adrian harris who is the digital director at the church of england um, based here in london and talking about the new project which i'm very excited to be involved in um, the new church of england digital Digital Labs, which is launching in February. So more from him later on what it means to build a digital team, uh, what they're doing to help revitalise a lot of their web presences uh, there at the Church of England and uh, more about the Digital Labs. But first of all, coming up after the break, we're going to talk about the news. I'm so sorry, I promise kiss with eucalyptus With all of its problems, I'll never want to miss this I can tell the future, we're a broken record I'm going to say something, then I'm going to regret it And you'll put up a wall and I'ma try to wreck it. Love is not love if it's never been tested. And we're back. So let's uh, chat news, headlines and stories and uh, going over to Sam first for uh, a little story of what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks. What so, have we got? Yeah, so The Guardian reported last week that news magazines are enjoying a circulation boost while celebrity titles are suffering. So Women's Weekly and celebrity-focused magazines, uh, Heat, Grazia, Now and Look, apparently have all suffered heavy drops in sales between January and June this year. You compare that, though, to um, some of the more serious, shall we say, news magazines, Private Eye, The Economy, and spectator they are all growing which is a very interesting development Mm. um the reason that most people seem to be saying is what we want is to understand the news we know that newspaper circulation in general are dropping because we're getting our news from from elsewhere but what we can't always get perhaps from some of the broadcasters or from your bbc news app is is the analysis behind it the extent of why is trump why did trump get voted in why exactly did brexit happen um going a bit deeper and i guess that's what 
things like the New Statesman um, or The Spectator can can give you that more um, deeper analysis. So apparently we're buying Private Eye, we're buying The Economist, etc. more and more, and we're not so interested in the celebrity stuff because, again, you can get that online, can't you? And there's, I, have, I think there's two interesting points about this trend because I think it points to two different things. One is the, the content and one is the format. So the, the fact that we're seeing a rise again in certain print circulations mm-hmm. above all is just super fascinating. I think it dials into a lot of these kind of bigger trends that we're seeing with millennials in particular who are favoring returning to non-digital things it feels Mm. like there's a kind of tail end of the you know kind of the snake eating its own um there where we're kind of coming back around to uh, a lot more of this like analog stuff the amount of my friends who have gone out and bought vinyl record players in recent (laughs) weeks and months um which other than it being kind of like you know just an urban outfitters kind of moment uh you know it's kind (laughs) of um that side does seem to kind of strike to this idea that we're actually returning back to what i suppose called slow media formats Mm -hmm. you know kind of going back to print which obviously great for you too but also you know actually at the much broader level you look at like magazines that you mentioned sam like the new statesman spectator but also the much longer form publications like kinfolk monocle these mm. are kind of the big long form deep dive kind of travel and uh, lifestyle publications and they're they're doing very well in either monthly or quarterly formats um you know big heavy ticket prices mm. sometimes you know upwards of six pounds up to ten pounds in the uk you know that's a, a lot of money to be dropping on on a monthly piece of journalism yeah. in today's standards right yeah and i think the other longer trend thing that's been happening for a number of years now it seems to be the more and more niche a magazine gets often the better it does because yeah. as you say if you're going to be spending six or seven pounds you're going to be wanting to read it more or less cover to cover and so those magazines again perhaps light heat and and now they try to cover quite a broad spectrum of all kinds of news and stuff well if you're just going to flick through it and you're going to be spending money on it in a you know post recession or even perhaps arguably still in a recession kind of era in the UK um, are you going to be wanting to, to to have that kind of approach I'm not so sure absolutely and so the, the point is is that it's not also just about the type of format that we're going into but it's also the content as well mm. right and we're seeing that there's a resurgence in people looking for longer form editorial maybe not just that instant reaction to something but also the kind of deeper analysis into it and it's coming across the board not just in kind of adults but also kids mm. publications as well right Ruth you've been looking at this yeah so one of the things that that Guardian article mentioned was that the week junior has been um, launched and that that's proved incredibly successful as well which shows that actually young people really care about this as well and I think Sam hit the nail on the head you know if a lot of young people get their news from their social media feeds but that would just be the facts and actually what they're looking for is that deeper analysis and I think particularly if you're a young person and you don't really understand the history to something or why something's happening having someone sit down with you and talk you through those things can be really helpful and if they don't have their parents doing that if they don't have schools doing that then actually an external publication is a really helpful place for that Mm. and I think young people you know if you're traveling on the bus to school or you're traveling somewhere actually to have a hard copy of something is and like you said it's that throwback to kind of retro stuff I've met a lot of young people recently who are trying to ditch their mobile phones or kind of just use them for calling and text and they're sort of wanting to get rid of this constant phone in the hand yeah absolutely i think that that's something that we're seeing also across the industry as Mm. well is that people wanting that kind of return to a little bit of digital detox maybe taking some time out it kind of does into this this mindfulness and health kind of living Mm. stuff that i think also as christians we're becoming far more conscious of Mm. i um, met with the guys at the st catherine's foundation a couple of weeks ago mark aiken who runs the the place it's a a venue down here in southeast london uh, just next to limehouse dlr station where they're regularly running retreats for people of all different areas and one of the things that we're talking with them about at the media net 
internet is around you know kind of is there a role for a digital retreat is there Mm. a role for us to kind of create something for those of us working in journalism and broadcasting and kind of content creation to actually take some time out and step away from those things and i think it all dials into this this larger trend of wanting some kind of disconnection wanting depth from our news analysis in particular as well but you know kind of content overall uh and just kind of not dealing as you mentioned sam with some of that kind of more frivolous stuff right Mm. the celebrity kind of pieces dying off yeah sure i mean i would add only one caveat to this story because i I do think it probably hopefully is a genuine trend and we do want the more serious analysis the only caveat i point out is there have been some bloggers i think guido forks was one of them who did point out the new statesman in particular may be guilty of inflating the figures slightly because more (laughs) and more copies of of the new statesman and others are being given away for free yes so if you're giving it away for free yes that's going to boost your circulation but is that really a fair Mm. analysis of what's going on people aren't necessarily buying it more you're just being able to give it away for free more so i would add that as a slight caveat but that's but but that's also maybe the the route for a lot of these print publications is to go down that route particularly the kind of the weekly news analysis ones you know i think we've got so used to having kind of our digital versions of those coming to us for free or at least having kind of fairly large access to them even if you're buying into a new york times or something like that still being able to read a number of articles on a daily basis you know maybe the future for those ones is actually to go down the free circulation route to boost circulation rely upon advertising more frequently um, and also events and sponsorships you know I've got to say I've done a number of the spectator events over the past couple of years which provide really high quality that I'm willing to pay for at that moment but do I pick up the magazine on a weekly probably not because I'm not willing to shell out for it on that frequency so I I bet you do I bet you do in the airport on the way onto your plane (laughs) because that's quite often where you find them isn't it you find you know I've seen the new statesman before when I'm about to get on an international flight next to all the newspapers and you pick it up because you think actually then yes you you do have time you're hopefully not going to be connected to wi-fi because hopefully your plane doesn't give you sorry i have a bit of a bugbear about wi-fi on planes this is the (laughs) one place in the world where i can switch off and disconnect and what's happening no you're giving me free wi-fi on a plane take it away let me just switch off please that's the one place i can go in the world where there's no wi-fi ramp finished sorry (laughs) i wonder i wonder if i think it's almost the opposite i wonder if on a plane you don't want hardcore news analysis you just want something a bit more frivolous so i wonder if kind of if people are on a journey it depends what journey they're on i think if you're on a workshop you're sort of in the mindset of i I need to keep my mind going so you do look at the news analysis but if you're you know going to greece on holiday or whatever i would much more likely pick up a magazine i would never read like a kind of beauty magazine or something like that because it's you're sort of getting yourself into the holiday mood and you want to just flick through something that yeah. is a bit more frivolous i've got to say that at three o'clock in the morning on saturday night as i was flying back from sao paulo i did tune into guardians of the galaxy 2 to distract me from <laughs> the fact that the man two seats away from me was throwing up the third bottle of wine that he had consumed <sighs> so uh, on that happy note let's move on to the next story and ruth you've got something for us so I was just uh, watching, I've been watching the athletics recently and I was really interested by the fact that a lot of the athletes are very overtly Christian and very open with their faith. So um, Omar McLeod, the Jamaican sprinter, 110 metre hurdler who won his gold, crossed the line and the first thing he did was drop to his knees and say, thank you, Jesus. And then he went over to his mum. They were praying together. She was saying, thank you, Jesus. And um, and when he went into the, the media booth, they were talking quite openly about his Christian faith, about the fact that he loves gospel music, about his mum's faith. Uh, and I read an article um, sort of fairly soon after he got the Olympic gold in Rio for the same event. And it says in it that um, that he told the reporter, I'm not going to Rio without the Holy Spirit. And it, this is whole thing about how his mum anointed his feet with oil and fasted and prayed and anointed his jersey and anointed his spikes. And that's in a secular Jamaican newspaper. And I just think there's something really interesting when it comes to sport. If that was in any other sphere, you would never really speak so 
openly about faith. Um, you wouldn't have broadcasters sharing people's faith, so obviously. But there's something really interesting when it comes to sport that that's kind of it's it's not off topic for some reason. It's totally fine. Yeah, I think it's definitely having a moment. Yeah, you know, we've seen for a long time footballers, yeah, you know, kind of lifting up their shirts mm. with different things kind of written on them. And obviously in the US, it's far more prevalent. You know, kind of everyone from you know kind of the big basketball players to NFL players always talking about kind of God put me here, and you know kind of it's much more of an open dialogue. But the athletics in particular seems to have brought that out. And there's something about bringing all those different cultures together in, in you know one way which i think allows that to happen but you know getting it onto such a large stage you know over the past um week seven hundred thousand people have gone to the international athletics yeah. here in london at, at the what was the olympic sta- stadium in stratford you know that exposure is is quite a significant thing and so i'm sure that there has to be you know some knock-on impact from from doing this right you know do you think we're going to continue to see more people doing this well i think the cultural thing is a really interesting question as well because i think if it was a Brit dropping to their knees and saying, thank you, Jesus, I don't know if they would get the same sort of... in. The, the, I don't know if they'd get interviewers asking the same questions about their faith and things like that. But I think because Omar McLeod is Jamaican, and so that's maybe his faith is seen as part of his culture, and therefore you wouldn't kind of mock someone for their culture or whatever. I don't know if that's if that's a significant thing. Well, I think and that's an interesting parallel. So, you know, one of the things that we saw uh, last night, um, we're recording uh, here on Monday the 14th of August, yesterday uh, at Songs of Praise, they recapped um, mm. uh, the worship from New Wine, uh, which obviously is a, a predominantly white English uh, festival, I think is fair to say, if you kind of go look at it. It's also <laughs> held in Somerset, which also predominantly is also white English. And one of the things that a number of people reacted to, I saw on my own personal personal Facebook profiles, I'm sure those of you who kind of followed people that visited as well did, was this commentary about it being a little bit odd to kind of see Christians, um, particularly in a kind of more Pentecostal evangelical setting, uh, worshipping in that way. And But if they were a congregation of a black Pentecostal church, yeah. we wouldn't necessarily have the same reaction. And I do find that kind of interesting insight. You know, Sam, you said the same thing of someone that recently visited one of the other big conferences mm. here in London, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was pointed out that, yeah, we, we can say who it was. It was Hillsong. I'm, I love what Hillsong do. And uh, one of my colleagues went to the went to the Hillsong conference, as did I, dropped in for a little bit. But he did remark that if he wasn't a Christian and he went to the O2 and he saw 20,000 people lifting their hands and giving honour to the leaders and, you know, giving their money, you know, if, if you weren't a Christian... The, the word he used was cult, actually. Um, if you don't f- come from a Christian background, you see that. I think there is a tendency to think this is a bit weird. I actually think there's a wider point there, that whenever a church is doing particularly well, particularly with finances, maybe has a big building, maybe gathering a lot of people, as soon as a church does well, I think there is a tendency in this country to call them a cult in the in the secular press. Because for whatever reason, I think Brits, we, we seem to be against large-scale things. We're very sceptical of all oh, that looks very big, especially when it's a big church. And I do think that's a problem culturally that we've got, where there is just an immediate scepticism towards anything that's doing well, that's yeah. you know, doing well financially, that's gathering a lot of people. And I mean, we I, same, this, saw the same thing with Alpha kind of took off, and then John Ronson did his kind of rather extended piece of him kind of going on the course. Exactly. You know, it attracted yeah. a lot of criticism, and I think we kind of go through that route. So whether it's you know kind of sport you know leading the way and kind of reintroducing that into popular dialogue, or it's seeing actual you know kind of real worship on, on our television screens there seems to be still this mm. this point which you're absolutely right is that people do choose to then make that the flair that they kind of hold up and to react in a you know often a negative way but at least you know kind of apply added scrutiny to it which which is fair to do i think it's absolutely fair to kind of add that added scrutiny and we should also be you know kind of looking at ourselves about how do we present that as well right because this is mm. the problem that we create this environment where it's not easy to talk about these things and Ruth you were talking about this before about this idea of our welcome and how easy do we make it yeah you know, what do we need to do there well and that's the thing if it looks 
if it looks that weird, if you put yourself for a few seconds into an outsider's shoes, it, it looks flipping weird. No matter how good our churches are, it does it does look weird. And this is why I think actually um, rational sort of put together Christians really confuse broadcasters because I think a lot of broadcasters in their head have Christians as these slightly weird, unhinged or old fashioned people. So then when a celebrity who is just seriously cool, someone like Omar McLeod, for instance, who is, cool. you know, an Olympic athlete, incredibly cool. When he comes out with his faith, you know, that is quite confusing because that's not what a lot of people would think of when they think of a Christian. Um, and, and so I think I think that's really interesting. And I, I wonder if we just we just need to normalize it slightly, um, you know, rather than having the stereotypes of the faith, the sort of they're always the crazy people in the soaps or, or they're the people who are kind of having affairs or doing something really weird. You very rarely get someone who just happens to be a Christian and is playing a normal part. And, and, you know, almost the fact that they're a Christian is kind of incidental. It's not a huge integral part of the story. And I think we need a bit more of that. A bit more normalising of the Christian kind of practices. Mm. Well, speaking of practices, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about just after the break. Um, What have your suggestions been for daily practices? We're heading back to school uh, or back to university or back to wherever you're heading. But for most of us, it's heading back to work after a couple of weeks away. So coming up after the break, your ideas, daily practices and what it means to go back to work after this. I need you. So, back to the podcast and back to work. Probably most of you having listened to this are picking up after some kind of, well, I hope, some kind of summer break. Personally, didn't get much of it. That was a couple of weeks ago, then I broke my shoulder. So, overall, not been brilliant. But for those of us who have been heading back to work after some time off, whether that's spending a week getting soaking wet with a bunch of teenagers in a campsite in the New Forest, as Ruth did, or, you know, travelling around being chased by bears, as Sam was, <laughs> um, or me, you know, just kind of generally being tired in brazil whatever it is that you're doing you're coming back to uh work and you are trying to engage with daily life and one of the things that you know i i've certainly been interested and i know a number of you talking to you on twitter talking to you on facebook have also been interested in is this idea of daily practices daily routines things that we can kind of get back into now obviously none of this is new and it's not exactly something that we're creating this is about the most ancient and christian thing that you could possibly (laughs) imagine but many of us have fallen out of the habit of actually getting into a daily practice some kind of daily routine often in the morning but could be any other time of day that are things that just help us see ourselves in the daily rhythm and actually deal with what we're going into for those of us going into the journalism world and you know, the world of media and content we're often flooded daily with lots and lots of input and one of the things that i think we find really difficult and speaking to friends working in the industry is that we have to get ready to get ourselves the output we have to actually output something from our brains often at the start of the day and kind of cleanse our hearts a little bit to kind of be prepared to head into it so um that's what we're going to talk about we've had a number of suggestions from you guys on twitter which i'll come to in a moment but perhaps uh we'll start with what ruth thinks is something that makes her sound like a kind of scatty crazy christian Uh, (laughs) she hasn't revealed to us what it is yet so this is the the world premiere of ruth's daily routine (laughs) ruth what do you do so this this sort of started when i was working at the bbc um you know sometimes you'd come into the studio and there just would be you'd be overwhelmed by starters live broadcasts there's just like so much to deal with so i got into the practice of doing my um my sort of early morning quiet time on the train 
So I'd sit and I'd kind of think through what I was doing and I'd pray for various people. But one of the things I would always, um, without fail, pray for was what I had coming up that day. Uh, So I'd do a little sort of spider scattergram thing of, uh, you know, my day and then all the things that were coming, which was kind of a to-do list so that by the time I got into the studio, I kind of knew what I was doing. But it would also be a way of giving it to God. So for a start, I'd look like a weirdo on the train because I've got a little spider diagram normally sort of balanced with a pad in my hand as everyone sat down. And then... (laughs) um, on someone's back. (laughs) Yeah. And then from, from the walk from well when I was at BBC the walk from the tube to the um to my studio wasn't particularly far but now I walk from Vauxhall station to Pimlico which is probably like a 15 minute walk and now this is where I look like a weirdo I pray in tongues from the moment I leave the station to when I get to the office um and like it's fine because most people have got their headphones in so they don't realize what I'm doing but I literally just pray in a normal speaking voice not even quiet just praying for everything that's coming up in the day praying for people but praying particularly for what I've got and and then there are almost there are always moments where you you know, if I get an email that's a bit like terrifying or something or I've got a big interview with someone or something I will still even now go and lock myself in the toilet get on my knees pray in tongues for a few minutes and get back out and get on with it so if you're ever in the uh, premier studios <laughs> and you happen to bump into Ruth coming out of the loo just know that she's perfectly fine um she's just preparing for something big. I, I really like that I love that you, one I love the boldness of praying in tongues walking across, across Vauxhall Bridge because the, uh, the most people that are you know kind of shouting things across Vauxhall Bridge in the morning uh, often are, are not well so i think that's a really important point but i do love that i love that idea of the scattergram actually and, mm. you know kind of like plotting the things out I, I do a similar thing of like making a to-do list in the morning and kind of i use a, an app called things which is really helpful across all my devices to kind of keep myself organized mm. but one of the things that i kind of do with that each day is kind of then also add a kind of prayer list to that uh, and try and kind of work through it a little bit and when i'm doing my reading uh, daily reading stuff on on you version the bible app to kind of get myself into that kind of place that's a similar kind of th- yeah. method i prefer lists you clearly prefer diagrams which uh, i think that says something probably about (laughs) both of us uh far deeper than we can have time to get into uh right now but sam what do you do what's your kind of it's interesting you both you both write or draw things out because i don't actually do any of that um heathen yeah i know i mean (laughs) i think both of you already you sound like far more spiritual people than i do i have to confess i've struggled with the whole quiet time thing for most of my christian life and i used to use the excuse of well i'm not a morning person which is still the case i'm not a morning person but i would use that as an excuse i'll I'll read the bible and pray later in the day and of course i never did so i've finally given in over the past couple only couple years and not like i've been doing this a long time but i finally realized you know what no, I'm not a morning person, but it's still there is still something about getting up and the first thing you do, or one of the first things you do, is spending time with God. And I've kind of given in to, as you say, centuries, millennia of Christian wisdom on this. I mean, like, actually, the, all those millions of Christians before me, they've been right. There's something special about doing it in the morning, and it just works for me. So it, it's always an effort for me, but I've at least made the commitment to do it. And again, like you mentioned, working in media, you're always surrounded by so much stuff. And so the stuff I've been trying to do recently is literally just sit in silence for, you know, for however long in the morning before I do anything. And, you know, I'll admit the first thing I do in the morning is I grab my phone, I turn my alarm off and I do just check my notifications for 30 seconds. No longer than that, get in the shower. You but say then, hello to Stacey, your wife as well. Yeah, obviously. And then <laughs> um, she's normally out of the house before me, I have to confess. She's, uh, she's on it because um, she works in the media as well and is clearly much more disciplined in this area. But anyway, after my shower and everything, I will just sit down and be in silence before God and try and pray and read the scriptures and everything else. And I have to say, it's a struggle, but it's really... I'm, I'm reaping the benefits already um, of just being quiet before crowding out your day with everything else. Absolutely. And fun things like recording this podcast is wonderful. But actually, if you look at my life, you could argue I'm either creating media or consuming it 
almost all the time. Yeah. So to have a time in the morning where I'm not creating or consuming anything, I'm just being before God in silence and you know, then perhaps moving into reading, but even not immediately reading your Bible, actually just sitting there and saying, God, I want to give this day to you and I want there to be some silence in my life where I'm quiet before you has been difficult, but enormously beneficial as well. Absolutely. Well, I know that many of you listening will find it hard to believe that Sam spending 15 minutes silent for a long time is, is, is quite a difficult <laughs> thing. But, um, <laughs> That's it a is. really good it's practice and, and being silent is definitely one of the things that came through in a number of you who wrote in on Twitter. So if you still want to contribute to this, we've got a moment running over on uh, my Twitter feed at the moment, also being shared uh, from the Medianet. So you can follow that at the Medianet or also myself at James Poulter on Twitter. Uh, here's a couple of suggestions. James Doc. Uh... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Uh, from Kingdom Code wrote in to say that he starts each day with the Bible over breakfast, post-it notes to take down any takeaways, and then he sticks it to the computer screen for the rest of the day, which I thought was a really useful idea, actually, of kind of then putting that front and centre for those of you who spend a lot of time sat in front of a monitor for most of the day, actually kind of bringing those things up and having it right there in, in the centre. Like I mentioned before, that app that I use, Things, is why I love that, because I kind of have those to-dos or those things that I've been praying about in the morning, actually, at the top of my list that I leave there until the end of the day, so I kind of see them as I come back to you throughout the day. Um, also suggestion from Matthew Watts he just says I say the Lord's Prayer every morning just making sure to focus on every phrase uh, a very good suggestion I think as well daily prayer difficult and uh, one from Joe Swinney who was on the show uh, last month if you haven't had a chance to go back and have a listen to that uh, really great interview I did with her about her book called Home which will also be releasing the extended audio for uh, soon she uh, wrote in to say journaling running and good sleep routines those are the things that keep her going every day the Bible every day prayer and get togethers with God's friends uh, I assume she means like not just the uh, the Old Testament crew, but her <laughs> friends who believe in Jesus as well. Um, so thanks to Joe for that. Uh, keep your suggestions coming in for daily work or back to work habits. We'd love to hear them, and we'll, I'm sure we'll bring summer back around. I've got a couple of recommendations of tools and things that you can use in the recommendations at the end of the show uh, for you to get uh, a little bit further along with that journey. I do have a question on this though. Yes, is it 
really the case that you've read your Bible and you've prayed in the morning if you haven't taken a photo of it and Instagrammed it? Well, in the current, <laughs> in, in, I mean, is there any proof this has actually happened? Surely you need the perfectly lined up Bible next to the cool looking coffee coffee uh, <laughs> cup on a plain wooden table, maybe with a nice plant in the corner, all completely aligned with the pen and the notepad. Then you've had your quiet time. Only once it's up on Instagram. I must uh, <laughs> I must admit to, that yesterday I uh, spent some time kind of reorganising our home office and did prepare kind of like a little prayer space and uh, did Instagram some of it. Uh, <laughs> Um, that wasn't now. even intentional. So, <laughs> I didn't even know that. I'm called out. I know that you're usually looking at uh, my uh, Instagram stories on a daily, uh, Sam. But I do. Uh, clearly, you've missed out on I that have one. So uh, that. go back. We'll be there for the next 24 hours. But by the time this airs, probably not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Instagram your prayer daily routines to us. Use the hashtag Signal on Instagram <laughs> or on Twitter. You can find us at the Media Net on Twitter as well, and you can also come over to Facebook. Now, speaking of Facebook, one of the other things that we've just started, which if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you already know about, but if you don't, we would love it if you got involved we started a group on facebook for the media net called christians in the media and if you've not had a chance to get involved please do go and find that on facebook if you just go use the search bar search christians in the media or you can also send an invite request to myself or my wife holly polter who also works for the media net we will let you into the group and it's proving to be a really great place to share daily impressions of what's going on in this walk and journey that we're going on um, and also we're doing some regular live broadcasts into there using facebook live trying out some new things that maybe you guys just want to learn from a practical perspective and also sharing our reflections on what it means to be uh, working in journalism content uh, from a faith perspective so if you are on facebook go over to christians in the media uk you can also do it by searching us over on the facebook page and you can get linked in there Okay, so coming up next, we have an interview with the wonderful Adrian Harris. Adrian has had a long career working in digital in the secular world, first of all uh, at Tesco and Booper, and has recently joined the digital team a few months ago at the Church of England based here in Victoria. He has been uh, building up a team for a number of months now and is about to do a big relaunch project for a number of the big Christian websites that sit within the Church of England, including the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Archbishop of York and the Church of England website, as well as launching a new Christmas campaign amongst other things and one of the things that I'm really excited to be involved with is the upcoming Church of England Digital Labs which is happening in February so I caught up with him earlier last week to talk about all of these things and more and what it means to build a digital team for a church in today's era So we've launched Digital Labs to bring people who are techies and creatives together to help us create some brilliant ideas that ultimately we can bring to market and to share it across our diocese and across our 16 and a half thousand churches in the UK and I've seen over the last nine months in post just how much creativity there is out there and and for us this absolutely isn't a PR stunt it's an opportunity to ultimately produce our aim is from this event in February 2018 to produce one or two really cool ideas that we can share with some of our 16 and a half thousand churches. And with this actual concept, so there's going to be a day event right in February where we'll be bringing together lots of people to come up with the ideas, but the church is actually going to then go ahead and fund some of these coming out of it. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we've got a couple of agencies that we're going to partner with, uh, Christian development agencies, where we're going to work with the people who come up with the one or two best ideas from the event and to actually bring those out and to trial them in a couple of our dioceses, a couple of areas of the country. And if that goes well, to then roll it out nationally across uh, our 16 and a half thousand churches. And we just think there's 
there's just so much opportunity with this and um, yeah I'm really excited about bringing people together from from all parts of the Christian church across the country for this day in London. Now of course you know the without meaning any offence, the Church of England hasn't always necessarily been seen as the kind of hive of digital activity. And obviously you've only been in the role for a little while now, so we'll give you the benefit of the doubt there. But what you know, what spurred this initiative initially and why would you expect even the Church of England to be the type of place where this would even happen from? I think we've we've seen that there's there's a community out there who've who've got great ideas, who who meet up and I think where we can really help is uh, as well as being the national church and with this Christian presence in every community that there's just a really nice marrying up of ideas uh, and being able to produce something that we can bring to bring to market share with our share with our churches across the country and I think that's where it sits so well together brilliant ideas out there being able to partner up with with companies that are um, that can help bring these things to market and then for us to to share it with some of our 16 and a half thousand churches across England. Adrian where did you end up in the Church of England how did a man like you with all these kind of ideas and creative ideas end up working for you know kind of the centre of the British church yeah, where did that come from? In, in terms from a faith point of view I, I'm involved with a local church uh, in, in London I've, I've been worshipping there for a number of years and um I think I think for me this role is is bringing together skill set from working in the commercial world, but also having that understanding of the C of E as as a church warden in a local Church of England church. And what really drew me to it was feeling this as a calling from from God to come and and serve the national church in this way, and to really make a difference with the with the money that's been released by the by the church commissioners. To, for the church to catch up and get ahead in the way that we use digital and social. And, and that marrying up of my, my faith, my understanding of the C of E locally, and also my uh, skill set from having worked at Booper and Tesco previously at leading their digital functions. Um, it, it's something that really drew me to this. And, and as I said, this calling, this calling from God really to, to come and serve the church in this way. Of course, it's something that you're not doing alone. You've been building a team there for a few months now, a number of people just joining in the, in recent weeks. Just talk to us a little bit about what it goes into kind of picking the right team for that job. What type of skill sets are you having to put around yourself in order to kind of complement what you're bringing to the table and just you know kind of make a high-functioning team that's actually going to be able to create this this shift in the, the digital landscape for the Church of England? This whole programme of work is funded from... Um, from the commissioners, as I said, but also it, it's part of renewal and reform, which is the strategy of the Church of England to be a growing church for all people and for all places. And we've um, one of the really exciting things about building a team has been to see people who who see this as a, a real vocation to come and use their digital experience, whether in uh, social media expertise. Uh, from from the point of view of helping us transform our web presence or producing really compelling graphics and uh, and video content and one of the things that I found really uh, moving actually as part of the recruitment process is is to see people come forward with that skill set and to now have a team here there's uh, there's five of us in total uh, and we've got two contractors working on the website at the moment as well 
is 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 to have that team so driven by a purpose to to bring more people to faith and for those who are already involved with the c of e to really help grow people's faith and and that's a really really key part of our work i mean it sounds like you've got the people in place you've got this funding the digital labs is all happening it sounds like things are pretty plain sailing have there been any issues or stumbling blocks that you've kind of hit against where you've realized you know maybe this just isn't something that we're going to be able to get away or what's been the opposition against it as you've tried to start this new program of work there's been genuinely very little and i was up at general synod in york in july uh, which is the church of england's parliament and there's such enthusiasm at that meeting when i talked to diocese and and really i think it, it was it's brilliant that the church has is funding this three-year program of work because um, there is so much excitement about it and the opportunity to really make a difference and genuinely to catch up and get ahead uh, and that's why this year we're focusing on uh, digital labs on, on on generating some really good ideas with that meeting in February but also with doing a really good Christmas campaign this year with 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 producing compelling social media content and also sorting out both Archbishop's websites, Archbishops of Canterbury and York, and also sorting out the the Church of England website and a church near you, getting all those foundations really strong. We've met uh, really, really encouraging uh, people who have been encouraging us along the way, and um, and really very, very little opposition because the church realises that now is the time to to use digital and social to to help people grow in faith, but also to bring more people to faith. As you look forward to 2018 with Digital Labs launching, what's your ambition for it? What do you want to see come out of it, the types of projects or maybe the areas that it could have an impact on? You know, what's inspiring you about this idea? I think there's two, <clears throat> there's two areas where we've got real opportunity. One is that the church, particularly with the work that we're doing with the church near you, which is in effect the Church of England's National Rail Inquiries, it's where you can find out all the services and, and events that take place near you in relation to the Church of England. And for me, one of the key things that I want to look at next year is uh, we're, we're building an API. So we're opening up the data from a church near you, which, which is going to be much, much broader and will include not just service times, but what goes on in the church hall, whether that's like brownies, scouts, coffee mornings, food banks, uh, all of that missional work that goes on, as well as service times. I think opening that up, so all that data, what can we do with that? But also, I think the other area is in growing people's discipleship as well. And I think for me, those are very likely to be the two themes that we focus on in February. And actually what ideas come from that, that we will then take and and work together with the teams that come up with those ideas, partner them with a digital agency to build them, and then to trial them locally and see where we get. And that's what excites me. It's taking the idea, building it really collaboratively, and then rolling it out and seeing the impact that it has. Now, moving away so from the, the practical stuff of you know making websites and updating social media profiles, something that I know we've talked about a little before is this whole idea of digital literacy within the church more broadly. And looking at some of the reactions to things that were happening in kind of current affairs, 
recently, uh, most notably, obviously, things like the Grenfell fire disaster and also the response to things like the, the US elections. The church hasn't always been brilliant at using digital technologies to respond to those things or even having a theology really around the role that digital and social media plays. Is that something that you think that you see a shift in the church moving towards? Do you think we're actually becoming more digitally literate as a church overall? Yeah, and one of my takeaways from York Synod, I sat in one of the debates in the parliament that was meeting in York, and there was there was a conversation from local vicars there about the role of the church in that situation and actually how the local vicar, vicars and bishop were using social media to really engage with the local community and to share that the church was open and local churches were open but also to ask for that help as well more broadly and we saw over the awful event with London Bridge that there were 1.3 million views of two really simple graphics that we shared one was the Lord's Prayer the other was a short Bible reading uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and also a prayer for peace that just on Facebook over that weekend 1.3 million views of that content and I think the church speaking into those awful situations and, and being you know bringing people into relationship with, with, with God and, and and social media helping with that we've, we've, we've really started to see the impact and and having the resource to be able to produce those things that that help to bring people into relationship with God and the church is it, it is yeah it's where, it's where social media can play a role. If you want to find out more about what the Church of England are up to, then you can go and obviously visit the Church of England website or you can follow them also on Twitter, which is C underscore of underscore E. And you can also get in touch with them on Facebook as well if you want to get involved in the Church of England Digital Labs happening in February. Right, coming up now, recommendations in the playlist. And I'm going to throw it over to Ruth for her recommendation of this month. You've been out to see one of our previous guests, uh, Exploits, James Carey, who was on the show a couple of months ago, to see his new play, Amongst Tale. What did you think? I have. Um, it was absolutely hilarious. And if I mean, it's a comedy, so that's It good. is a comedy. <laughs> but if I'm honest, my expectations were a little bit lower than they probably should have been. So I think... Explain. Well, I, I don't really know why, but I just... So I love musical theatre. My two sisters are musical theatre, so musical theatre is my thing. So I generally don't love straight plays because in my mind it's not a full, you know. Me and Sam differ very I heavily differ on this. strongly on this point. That's also Bruce's daily experience of walking into the office where yeah, bursting into song exactly. and starting the day that way. However, there was actually a little bit of singing in Amongst Tale. There was quite a yeah, lot of singing. There was quite a lot, which, which was brilliant. Singing or chanting? Because I would imagine chanting. Singing. No, singing. singing. Okay. And a little rap. Rap. 90, the rap at 95 the problems, so but the Pope ain't one. Excellent. Maybe so you should good. just give everyone a little bit of background on what Amongst Tale is. Sure. That yeah, I just, I just jumped straight in there. So, Amongst Tale is sort of a look at Martin Luther's life and the 95 Theses. You know, if you're, if you're not a Christian and you're not a history geek, that sounds really dry and boring, but it's really, really not. So, I took a non Christian friend and a few other friends who were Christians, and actually everyone loved it. They all, right across the board, loved it. Um, so, it looks at Luther's life, it looks at, you know, the kind of the context that he was 
doing all of that in and it's really really funny but really insightful I felt like I mean I did the reformation as part of my theology degree um, but I still felt like there was loads I learned that I hadn't learned in yeah. my degree that's so. what I'm saying so that this is being put on by James Carey who um, has written um, for various things including uh, Miranda and uh, done various work on, on Radio 4 he wrote this because uh, it's 500 years on from the yeah. reformation you know kind of when Martin Luther kind of went and pinned the, the what was it 50, 95, 95? But, but actually James if you watch the play it does explain how that may not have actually happened <laughs> Oh, I see. So, mm. what's one of the like, so I saw it Edinburgh. I saw it Edinburgh Fringe, and I agree with Ruth. It's fantastic. So I'm the opposite. I prefer straight plays. I'm not into musicals, but I loved it as well. It's um, the thing. It's something for everyone. It, it really does. It takes all the boxes. So I agree. If you're a historian or if you're a Christian, you're gonna really, really love it. But if you're not, you'll get a lot out of it as well. It clears up a lot of misconceptions about what happened in the Reformation. But it's just very, very funny and well done. And it's um, only an hour. Only an hour. It's also going on tour in the UK. I think from September through to November, something like that. Uh, amongsttale.net will have the details and it's going to a lot of places so it should be coming near you and I would highly recommend it it's well worth an hour of your time okay well there you go a big uh, well done to James Carey for putting on an amazing play and if you want to go and listen to my interview with him from a couple of months ago you can scroll back through I think it was in the March or maybe April edition of the show just scroll back in your podcast feed you'll find it um, so my recommendations you don't have to be a monk for these ones but it does kind of help with your daily practices and routine so I wanted to recommend a couple of things that just kind of might help you in trying to kind of log some of that stuff I mentioned it before, uh, but new version, the Bible app, I'm sure many of you are using it. But one of the things you might not be using is the daily reading plans, which is something I've been really into recently. Uh, a couple of them I've been trying. and um, One I'll recommend very highly is from Mark Batterson's most recent book called Chasing the Lion, which is a fantastic book um, and really great daily reading plan inside you version, which is something that if you're really after kind of trying something new or you're trying to dig into perhaps a new project or just kind of get reconnected on a daily basis, it's just 10 days long, really simple to get into. So go and check that out chasing the lion from mark baston on the U version bible app the other thing is another app which i recommend which i've been using a lot recently which is called headspace and any of you guys use these no. so headspace is one of the kind of growing collection of mindfulness apps which kind of helps you through doing daily meditation it's not a christian app it kind of comes from a you know secular approach to mindfulness the the chap that actually put it together is both um two english guys one of which who had spent a long time being a Buddhist monk and another guy who was a technologist and just wanted to kind of help himself kind of get back on an even keel after experiencing some mental health difficulties. But one of the things that I really love about it is that you can really tailor it into your day, you can set reminders and you can also choose how long you're going to do it for. So you can choose three or five or ten minute daily reflections. There's a bunch of stuff in there that's free, but you can also buy packs which also help you with specific topics like calm, anxiety. They also have these SOS features where you can do ones if you're about to head into a like, anxious meeting and you want to deal with that um, and also for things like anxiety fear of flying all sorts of kind of different specific topical ones as well as the daily practices i think what i've really found um useful with doing it, i've been doing it for about 20 maybe 25 days now on and off um of just kind of taking three minutes usually after lunch in the middle of my day and just kind of sitting down putting my headphones in and um, finding somewhere quiet in the office and just popping that on for like three to five minutes and just listening through and it really just helps about centering yourself and for me i always kind of like listen to what they have to say do the practice and then also just kind of try and finish with a prayer to kind of add my own kind of take on it but that's a really uh, helpful one there's a number of these other apps that are kind of out there and growing another one that i know is particularly popular called calm which is another kind of daily meditation app have you guys 
tried any of these things or are you interested in kind of what do you think about this whole mindfulness movement would you be up for kind of doing this kind of more meditation based prayer as well i i have to say i've been because of my own christian background i've been set up to be skeptical towards anything that looks eastern and weird and and uh, you mean eastern like jesus well exactly (laughs) and that's that's uh that's an important correction to my own background so i've been on a bit of a journey of this myself i've i come from a position that was quite skeptical towards this but through listening to other christians um who are more into this stuff i've come to understand that actually there is you know there is something to it that could be really helpful um i would particularly recommend a guy called brian draper wrote a book yep. called soulfulness uh, published by hodder and what i really like about his approach is i think he's quite aware of, of christians like me who who come to this stuff quite skeptical and you know he he as well he he admitted to me in an interview he said you know as christians we do need to be careful and actually not just you know embrace all of this stuff that comes under the sort of uh, mindfulness label he talks about soulfulness instead and he's got his own sort of i guess christian spin on some of these ideas and i find that really helpful so i'd recommend going towards him um but you know it's something i already mentioned earlier about you know i'm trying to be more silent and that arguably is a form of some of this sort of meditative approach to uh to christian living and to the scriptures and everything else so it's something i'm open to but i'm learning a lot i'm no expert what i really love about headspace in particular of of the ones that i've tried is that there is um so each of the the meditation reflections is kind of a a listened to experience so it's recorded audio from this guy called andy who's the the guy who spent a lot of time as buddhist monk but there's no kind of buddhism in it and there's also no kind of um spiritualizing in it it's purely a thing of helping you like focus on your breathing relax bringing your attention back to your thoughts and kind of deal with those yeah kind of there and then so there's no kind of over spiritualization of it which i think is really helpful particularly if you are coming from that kind of skeptical place um but i think one of the things i found you know that having spent a lot of time reading um a lot of the work by richard foster around this idea of celebration of discipline one of his kind of seminal works on that you know one of the things he talks about is meditation being you know kind of one of these ancient practices that we kind of come back to again and again um and yeah everyone from the benedictine monks through to you know kind of obviously a lot from the eastern tradition so i think that it's something that we are seeing this kind of reconnection with these ideas particularly as i think finally the kind of lid is being popped on people focusing on mental health and actually you know kind of realizing that we need to deal with both the physiological as well as the spiritual connections of those issues so one of the things i just think is really helping kind of like level things out ruth what about you have you ever tried any of these kind of things so my mum's a christian counselor and she uses quite a lot of these sort of techniques to help people think about why they're feeling in a particular way or things like that so I would, you know, it obviously works and it's it's definitely, you know, there's definitely advantages and things like that. I must admit, I'm a little bit like Sam, maybe not for the same reasons as Sam, but I've always processed stuff very heady rather than heart. Not that I'm totally heartless and I have a stone heart. (laughs) (laughs) But so I've always been very sort of common sense, very matter of fact, that kind of thing. So and actually, I think it's really interesting. I've I've. I've been reading a book so I'm preaching on listening to God next week and um, and this book was talking about how to listen to God and sort of creating silence and things like that and he said something really interesting which I'd never sort of really noticed before he said that actually extroverts find it really hard to sit in silence and of course that makes sense but I just for whatever reason not really thought about it I'm sure it. none of us suffer with this problem well see this is the thing I am basically 150% extrovert like I'm about as extrovert as you can possibly be and so silence like really bothers me I tried it this morning I got about half past six and just 20 minutes of silence and i was just like do, 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 do. i just didn't really know what to do with myself so i definitely you can think now get that as a ringtone by the way after do, the show. Do, do, do. um yeah so there's definitely advantages of that and um but i think for some reason i find it more helpful to have kind of a period of silence and then maybe read a bible verse or something like that so i don't know i don't find the kind of breathing techniques and stuff that helpful but i think it's because i am 
cynical at core. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think is, you know, I'm sure loads of you who are listening have got opinions on this, so we'd love it if you come and share. But one of the things I think is really important is about just kind of giving ourselves an opportunity to try these things out. And I yeah. think where you kind of, where I've certainly found the benefit is pairing that with other daily practices and bringing that into my routine has definitely kind of seen myself be, if anything, better prepared for the other things that I would put as a kind of overtly Christian moniker yeah. around by actually taking a few moments to kind of like pray or or just be silent focus on breathing it puts you in a place where then when you pray I feel less distracted so I think there's a really interesting kind of yeah, uh, area there yeah I found that okay and then finally as we wrap up Sam your recommendation for sure. this sure so uh, bring it back to media related stuff my recommendation this month is a new documentary on Netflix called Nobody Speak and it's about the case of Gorka you'll be familiar with the entertainment American website which now no longer exists True. and this is basically part of the story around why Gorka no longer no longer exists because they got it embroiled in this battle this legal battle with hulk hogan the famous uh, american wrestler and um basically hulk hogan took them to court because gorka had published a sex tape of him and you might think why am i recommending this documentary about a sex tape well it's not a, <laughs> that is it's, a good question <laughs> it's not about the sex tape and actually you know there isn't there isn't much if any sort of crude material in the documentary what this about is about is about freedom of the press freedom of the media because what hulk hogan was able to do was he found a backer in peter Thiel who had, has a lot of money to take uh, Gorka to court and basically say you should not be allowed to publish material which is private now you know as a Christian you might think I have some sympathy with that I mean this is a sex tape you know this is something that happened privately and so what I'm not doing here is saying that Gorka were necessarily morally right to publish that but what the whole what the documentary does it makes you think about the wider issue of what about press freedom and where exactly do we draw the line because if we say that Gorka is not allowed to publish that because you know that's offensive or that's immoral then suddenly you've entered into a little bit of a difficult thing of where exactly does this line uh, where is the line in terms of what you can and can't publish on a legal level and you know what's basically happened is Gorka has now disappeared so that, that particular website which I was never a fan of no longer exists so it doesn't bother me that Gorka no longer exists what bothers me is that people with a lot of money were allowed to shut down a media business because that media business published stuff that a powerful celebrity didn't like so I think it raises all kinds of really interesting questions mm-hmm. about freedom of the press not only in America but but over here or freedom of the media in general and especially in this digital age how we, how we relate to that so it throws up all kind of interesting questions i'd recommend it on that level not because it's about sex <laughs> okay well if you've uh, listened or watched any of these things and you want to make your own recommendations into the show then we're always happy to hear them you can get in touch with us on at the media net on twitter you can also find us on facebook and you can also uh, send a tweet with the hashtag signal so that we can find it and we'll always be up for your recommendations rather than running through all of our music recommendations this month you might have already noticed you've heard them in the show so a couple of the tracks that we've been playing are from the new forever now album from new day and also the tracks from propaganda as well from his new album uh, which is called crooked so if you want to check out more about those you can find them in the show notes go on to itunes and you can also find them on soundcloud and you'll be able to follow up with those tracks there well that leaves it for the back to school episode thanks so much for joining us on the show thanks again to sam thank you and to ruth thank you and myself james Poulter. you can find all of us (laughs) thank thank me you can find all of us on twitter and facebook to follow up with questions we'd love to hear from you that's it from us thanks for listening to signal from the media net we'll see you again next month